Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, I'm Sophie Ellis-Bexter and welcome to Spinning Plates podcast where I speak to busy working women who also happen to be mothers about how they make it work. I'm a singer and I've released seven albums in between having my five sons aged 16 months to 16 years so I spin a few plates myself. Being a mother can be the most amazing thing but can also be hard to find time for yourself and your own ambitions. I want to be a bit nosy and see how other people balance everything. Welcome to Spinning Plates. Hello, lovely people. How are you this week? Um, I hope all is well with you. I speak to you from my bedroom any minute now. The kids are going to be coming home from school and it's just me and my cat Rizzo for a minute. And Rizzo's looking all serene, even though I'm pretty sure it was her out of my three cats that, um, that pooed on the upstairs bed today. Rizzo, why did you do it? Why, why did you put on the bed? She's avoiding eye contact. I've made it awkward. She didn't know I was going to talk about her in your presence. No, she don't want to discuss it. Anyway, enough of all that. I, um, what am I talking to you about? <laughs> I'm talking to you about this week's podcast, you ninny. So this week's guest, oh, what a lovely woman. So I spoke to Sarah Willingham. So... I met Sarah because I was introduced to her through um, my friend Deborah Meaden, who did went to the same dance school as me. She and I both did Strictly back in 2013. I absolutely adored Deborah. She was such a lovely woman and became a friend, which is great. And recently I started working with a gin company called Pink Marmalade. That was during lockdown. We together have done a, a bottle together. So I thought, <laughs> I thought I'd better ask for business advice from my Dragon's Den friend. So I spoke to Deborah and she said, oh, if it's gin, you want to meet my friend Sarah Willingham because Sarah Willingham has invested in this hugely successful craft gin club. So through that, I started speaking to Sarah and then she started, we had a phone call together to talk about the gin and ended up talking about loads of other stuff. And I just thought she was absolutely brilliant. We had this phone call where I sort of put the phone down feeling really energised and excited. And I thought, oh my goodness, I must have a conversation with this woman and share it with you. So my producer, Claire, and I 
travelled to Brighton to go and speak to Sarah about um, about a month and a half ago now. And Sarah has got four children who are now aged between 10 and 15. And she lives in this beautiful house that's right on the Brighton coast, the coast of Brighton, the south coast. So when you walk into her home, it's this spectacular glass wall that is in front of you opposite the front door. And all you can see is the, the sea. And it's absolutely jaw-dropping. In fact, it's so striking that Claire, who I've known since I was about 16, sort of spontaneously found herself getting quite emotional, which is quite, <laughs> quite a funny way to walk into somebody's house. But it's because it was so extraordinarily powerful, just being greeted by what would almost look like a wall of, of the sea and nothing else. You couldn't even really see the stones going down to the water until you got close up to the window. And I think there's just something so dramatic and um, poignant about being faced with nature in that sort of way. It's very handsome. It was beautiful, but it was also very handsome. It had this real strength to it. So that was the backdrop to our conversation. And I absolutely love Sarah. She took her four children with her husband on a trip around the world. They went travelling. What was supposed to be a one-year trip ended up being away for three And I just loved everything about the spirit of it. To be honest with you, it's a bit of a fantasy of mine, that idea. A proper big lot of travel with your children. It'd be very tricky for me to actually (laughs) actually make it happen. But I loved hearing about it. And it sounded like it was every bit as enriching and exciting as you think. And, you know, Sarah said that she's not one for planning. But of course, if you're someone that can also be an entrepreneur and build businesses, I think chances are you're probably very good at planning. But maybe it's quite nice to be able to put yourself in a different gear and just give yourself over to not making plans. So anyway, waffle I do. I know that. Oh, there's a doorbell. I bet you I'm going to leave you with the chat. See you on the other side. Love you very much. Bye. Well, I kind of um, want to jump straight in a little bit because... I know you're a mother of four and I know that you've spoken a lot about how you believe business and parenthood should not be you know, things where there's compromise involved. But how on earth do you manage to do that when you're a businesswoman mother of four and not feel like you have been compromising things? I suppose it's a good, good place to start. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, look, I think in, in the grand scheme of things, everything really is a compromise. In, everything you know nothing Mm. is ever perfect perfect but what I don't believe you have to compromise is your own sense of being so your your own balance and I think that's the bit that I really struggled with when I first became a mum but I guess as I've got older I've got so much better at listening to myself so Mm. I I'm one of those mums that needed to be a mum. I just, I just need to be a mum. I love being a mum. So you always wanted to be a mum. Always wanted yeah. to be a mum. I'm really maternal. Even the way I run my businesses are maternal. Like I am just a maternal person. Mm. And it was really important to me to not compromise that role of being a mum or that. It wasn't even a role. It was just how it made me feel in my tummy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So because it was so important to me to be a mum, what I learned quite quickly is that the moment you try and mix the two is the moment you fail. So I was trying to 
run a big business with hundreds of staff and have children and be a mom. Mm. And I didn't just want to be this caretaker of the children, kind of delegate it, because I was like, well, that's what I, I, I work for. You know, I, I should be able to delegate some of the tasks with work, not some of the tasks in my family. And I found that trying to find that balance really, really difficult. But I did find it. And the, the way that I found it is by not compromising what was important to me at that moment. So mm. if, um, let's say, for example, one of your kids phones up and they're, they're not well that day from school, what would actually tear me apart is if I can't be there on that day. If I've set my life up that, and obviously sometimes it happens, but I'm talking like big picture, if this always happened, you know, that actually I'm never there. I'm never able to go and collect them from school mm. when they don't feel well or hold them when they're poorly. That was a really important part of being a mum to me. And so I very quickly changed the way that I worked and kind of changed my work life to fit in with me being a mum. And in fact, to be honest with you, I've never been so, I'm going to say successful. I kind of hate the word successful because I think everybody, defi we define this in the grand scheme of the word successful, but actually success is something that's really, really personal. Yeah. So I, my success is my ability to combine lots of things that I love. You know, yeah. I think I'm a great friend. I'm a great mom. You know, I enjoy what I do with work. I'm still able to do that. I'm still able to succeed in inverted commas. Um, and it was when I was able to keep the things that, that were most important to me, my family, at the heart of my priority, that, or the heart of everything that I did, that I kept them as my priority, that actually everything else always had to fall into place. So I would also always say, right, you know, what, what really drives me? And I came down to it in the end, which was freedom. And it was freedom to control my time, freedom to make my own choices. It was freedom. That was, this th that was the thing that I realised motivated me more than anything. And that helped me so much. Every time something came in my path or it might be an opportunity, because I'm one of those people that sees opportunity in everything. I'm always, I'm like an overexcited puppy at everything <laughs> in life. I think it's all brilliant. That's a good way to live. And um, I, would look, I would look at things and think, oh yes, that's so exciting. And every time I would stop myself and say, is this adding or is it taking away from my freedom? Or is it neutral? And if it was taking away from my freedom, I wouldn't do it. Mm. And that became such a driver and so easy for me to make decisions that I think that was the point at which I felt I'm no longer compromising. Mm. And of course, I, what I am, you are compromising because there are some things in that that as an excited puppy, I would quite like to have done. Yeah. But it took away too much. Than it, it took away more than it gave, so I didn't do it. Yeah. And I think that's really, when I use the word compromise, where I come back down to is, well, if you stay true to what really drives you and what really matters, then it doesn't feel like a compromise. Mm. Well, what I'm getting there in spades is a real sense of self-awareness because if you can prioritise freedom, which I think is a brilliant word to sum up, as you say, the things that give you a better quality of life and actually allow you to thrive and be productive, it also means that you know you're someone that is quite good at being self-motivated because for a lot of people, freedom is a scary idea in terms of 
that sort of work-life, home-life balance, but if they don't know how, they'll remain engaged in all the things that make them excited. But if you're someone that can feel like you're like, as you say, like that puppy dog thing, I totally understand that feeling of just that fizz you get when you think that's a project I want to get involved in and can see that, that sort of self-awareness of, of, of knowing that you're going to get on with that no matter what and it's just a matter of shaping the rest of your day around giving Completely. you that space. But I, I, and I think it's one of the things that's so important that, you know, people listen to... You, you might read self-help books or self-motivation books. You might listen to podcasts or you talk to different people. And we're always going to take away the bit that matters to us or that, mm. that you know, inspires us individually. And I think self-awareness is probably one of the most important things in, in all of that. Because, you know, I can, I can look at somebody else's life and go, God, that's amazing. I mean, you know, wow, 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 wow. But actually, I'm built different than them and I couldn't live that life it, mm. because it would, you know, go against who I am naturally. Yeah. And I, I think the self-awareness, especially, you know, when we're trying to juggle so much, yeah. um, is a really, really important place for us all to start. Now, you know some of my closest friends, they are very, very driven by routine, by security. Mm-hmm. These are not for something that, that drive me. You know, in fact, if I have two days at the same, I completely implode panic and start to try and cause chaos. You know, that's just, <laughs> it's just who I am. So if you put me into a box and, and make me, and put me into, a, give me a routine or try and, try and let me have a routine... I will do everything in my power naturally. This is a natural thing. It doesn't come from my head to fight it. Yeah. Other people need structure and need a routine. So I think it's a really important starting place to come, like, how on earth do I do it all? You have to start from, well, who are you naturally? Like, yeah. and, and I, you know, I think one of the things I have said time and time and time again, and I believe this in every aspect of my life, and that is that you can't fight nature. Nature is always going to win. Um, Whether we're talking about the elements outside or whether we're talking about us as human beings, nature will always, always take, take home the big prize at the day, of the day, because you can't go against that force no matter how much you try to go against it you can't and that's you know when I sit and talk to large businesses and they they're trying to encourage more women back into business for example one of the things I always say is you know if if a woman wants to be a mom you have to let her be a mom if you try and fight that you will lose 100% you will lose so there, of course, there are lots of women. I've got friends that have, have had kids that actually find it much, much better for them to delegate that Monday to Friday. It works really well for them. They go to work, they separate the two, and then they have an amazing weekend with their kids. Mm. And that's great because that really suits them. So I think it is about finding that structure that works for individual people. And who are you in your core? What matters to you? And go with that. I mean, mm. if you're always going with the tide, you will, you will win. Yeah. Because that's natural. That's, that's who you, you are born to be. But you're right. That self-awareness is the starting point of what really drives you. Yeah, and I think when you're talking about looking at other people's lives and saying, wow, they're amazing, but actually being able to sort of say, well, yes, 
they achieve great things, but there's a, there's a whole life that's going on behind that. And whilst you can cherry pick the bits where you think, I wish I could do this, that and the other, do you ever really want to step into someone else's life and have everything that comes with it? You know, probably not. No, and probably I, think, I, think we, I think we are very guilty of that, especially in the UK. I think we're very, very guilty of looking at... Um, of, of trying to sort of showcase lives as this sort of perfect life. It's, mm. Everybody's completely different and everybody's very individual. And I, I find so much inspiration of, you know, some of my closest friends that, um, you know, they're, they're lovely, lovely, kind of that almost that repetitive simplicity of the world that they exist in. Mm. I don't want it because I couldn't live like that, because mm. it's just not who I am naturally. But there are so many days where I wish I could. <laughs> you know, and I think, you know, Sarah, why can't you be really, really uncomplicated, really simple, and not always try and create chaos all the time? Why can't you do that? But, you know, I'm 47 now, and I just, I'm not going to ever stop causing chaos. <laughs> <laughs> You've acknowledged it, embrace it. I am embracing my need for mayhem and chaos around me. Is that why you had four children very quickly? It is why I think it is why I had four children very, very quickly. I mean, four kids in four years, you know, that is utter mayhem. And I absolutely loved it. Really, right from the get-go, just each new person coming along, just thinking, yep, yeah, this is... They were brilliant. I mean, brilliant. I, I've got great kids, actually. I am so unbelievably blessed. Um, you know, I think the challenges of parenting or bigger than anything else I've ever ever even dreamed of mm. surmounting but they're four wonderful individuals and to see how their little brains work on a daily basis is for me it's an absolute gift you know it's such a joy I god I love it love it love it love it love it no oh, that's great it's actually so nice to hear there's a couple of things you've said already where I think we don't really hear hear that very much. I'm thinking, you know, through the conversations I've had at firstly saying I'm a great mum, I think is a lovely thing to be able to say about yourself. And also being so such big a supporter of your offspring is good as well. I always found I'm my children's biggest fan, especially when they're not in the room with me. I suddenly like yeah. I've, I've solely lovely memories, <laughs> lovely thoughts. Oh yeah, don't Just get me wrong. I mean, you know, there's not a day goes by where we all don't want to throttle each other, but um it's all part of it. It is. Like I'm part so of it. proud of them. They're they're really incredible human beings. Actually, we've we've been we've been really blessed. And I think, you know, I want to embrace that this magic that we have. You know, this family that it, it's more important to me than anything else in the world. And I'm just you know lucky that because I have that. And that I, you know, I am very, very lucky to have that. Everything else is a bonus. Mm. You know, it's all because I have that. Yeah. It's all a bonus, um, which means that when I do something that I actually enjoy outside of that, I'm like, oh, this is good. You know, or even when something goes really wrong outside of that, I'm like, well, you were a bonus anyway. Mm. You know, it's it, yeah. As long as I've got. As long as you don't touch that, I'm going to be okay, if that yeah. makes sense. No, I, d I totally get that. When I first had my first baby, I felt like, so long as we're okay inside our four walls, I don't really mind what yeah. else is happening elsewhere. Like that, that feeling of like, that's where the heart is, that's where the important bit is. And it did kind of really help. It actually, I found it really liberated me with the decisions I was making with work, actually, because I felt like I could take 
bigger risks in a way. I mean, obviously, you want to make sure you, you know, roof over your head and that kind of thing. But in terms of, like, that fire in my belly and just running towards it, it was like, well, yeah, you know, so long as that bit of my life is okay, I'll just, you know, throw some wild cards in there with work and it actually was really healthy. What was actually happening when you did have your first baby? You said you were running a business with... Yeah, so... um, Yeah, I was running a a public company um, and I had my chain of Indian restaurants. I had 17 Indian restaurants um, and was also responsible for lots of other brands within that public company. So I had like 1,500 staff at the time. Wow. Um, so this is the company where you took it from four restaurants to... That's 17. right, the Bombay Bicycle yeah. Club. And I had Mini. And you know what it's like when you have your first? It's actually very portable, if that makes... The, your yeah. baby's really I've portable. That, I it's, myself. Yeah, it's yeah. very, very portable. <laughs> So People I look a bit shocked sometimes when I've said that. Like they're really portable. When they're they're like, really you portable. So you know, actually <laughs> having Mini didn't hugely change the way in which I functioned with work. I still did my really long hours. I was still present everywhere. She just came in a papoose. Off we went. Um, you know, I was feeding her, so that wasn't difficult at all. And actually, I managed to do that for quite a while. I was pregnant when she was five months, I think five months old with Monty and even pregnant with a baby again the whole thing's really portable Mm. where I first struggled with my life and well actually my life I can say full stop my life Mm. first or I first struggled in the context of me being a mom was actually when Monty came along so Minnie was just 15 months at the time and so less portable, right? They're walking mm, on. They should just be like, walking. oh, hang on a minute. And I had another <laughs> if I one. I put you down here, yeah, you might exactly. get over there. <laughs> and then I had another one. So Monty was really portable because Monty would come with me on a papoose and I was feeding him. And mm. so all the same rules applied. But I'd got this toddler mm. who's not so portable, no. couldn't take her with Little me. Little defiant, maybe? <laughs> Everything, exactly. Like, and he's just, just a danger, basically. Yeah. I mean, you know, no just, it's none whatsoever. Yeah. And suddenly double buggies are not quite as easy to get into restaurants, you know, because I was running restaurants at the time as, you know, as a papoose Mm. um, and a, you know, a nappy bag on your backpack. So I, I think Monty was five months old. So Minnie will have been, God, what, I don't know, so 20 months, so just over one and a half. And I went into London for the first time without either of them and I was still breastfeeding actually and I sat in a board meeting I don't know did you breastfeed Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so you know that feeling when you literally fill up and you're like oh god I'm this is going to go really wrong yeah and you think somebody's crying somewhere wanting this milk Mm. and I'm sat here it controlled all of my oh god it was awful and I left that board meeting and came home to Michael and I said I can't do it can't do it I cannot continue to operate as if I haven't hadn't haven't had children and it wasn't until then that it hit me because actually Minnie had been so portable yeah so I'd had a baby and everything had continued as normal really Mm. so it wasn't until I had the second and that I left them both and I had that moment in the boardroom where I said, what are you doing, Sarah? You cannot continue to live like this. And that was it. I, the following day, I went in and said, right, either I'm going to take a year off or I'm going to sell my business. Um, 
And I sold it, sold it back to them, agreed a price. And from that day onwards, I basically said, okay, nobody else in my life um, can be reliant on me getting up in the morning other than my family. That was my decision at that moment Mm. to say, I still want to work. I still want to use my brain. I still needed to earn money. You know, all that stuff that we all have, Mm. all that normal pressure that we all had, all of that was still there. But I said, I have to find a way of doing it and not leaving my breastfeeding babies at home, metaphorically, or what it was actually real at the time. But um, so that was a very, very, very big defining moment for me. Yeah. Um, But again, that was that whole, I'm driven by freedom. So be free, allow yourself to make these decisions. And, you know, once I'd made that decision, it's like the universe just conspires to allow that to happen because I was open to things I'd, no, I'd not been open to before. Yeah. And I was close to things that perhaps I'd had been open to before. So I ended up, you know, managing to fit my life around that need to be with the two kids mm. and then three and then four very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big deal, isn't it? With the, with the, selling the business. But I guess... Um, when you make those big decisions, if there's even if there's a lot of a doubt, you know, in your peripheral vision, if there's something in the kernel of it that excites you, then it's normally the right decision, isn't it? Yeah, and for me, I mean, of course, I, I was like on a roll. I could have opened 50 of those yeah. sites and I could have sold it and made a lot more money. I did not care. I really didn't. I What I could not do ever again was sit there like yeah. and feel like that had made me feel That's a split in two feeling. I just came home and I said to Michael, I, I, I can't do it. I just can't do it. It's it was fighting too much um of who I was naturally. Yeah. So I needed to make that decision and it was the right it was the right thing to do. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Do you think that the you before you had babies would have been a bit nervous about the idea that it might affect you in that way? Um, God, it's a good question. I'm not sure I thought about it enough, actually, before I just plunged in. Um, no, I think I was excited. I, I, you know, I, I had no idea how it was going to affect me, none mm. whatsoever. And I probably did quite blindly think that everything's possible, you know, everything. Um, and it, and it's, it, it's not. You do have to find your balance for who, what makes you driven and what makes you tick. Um, and I also don't think that that's finite. I think that moves all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think it, going back to that, sort of that self-awareness point that actually if you are in touch with yourself, mm. you, that can move daily. I mean, it can move weekly. Sometimes you, you stay in one place for a month you know, in your soul or in your brain. And other times it can move on a daily basis, but I think it's really important to listen to that. Mm. And I especially think, you know, at times when it, life can get very stressful, you have to listen to yourself and say, okay, you know, what do I need to do now to rebalance where I am at the moment? You know, we, I've been very, very guilty of being a proper adrenaline junkie for many years of my life. And now realise how unhealthy that existence was. To ha- to be pumped full. It was literally like I was hooked up when on adrenaline. When you say adrenaline, what kind of thing? Like, jump, like bungee jumping? No, I mean, I'm very... <laughs> par- I, I used to be very partial to the old bungee jump, but not anymore. But anything like really... Coasters? Love a roller coaster. Love a roller coaster. Oh, me too. Love a fun fair. Yeah, love a fun fair. <laughs> love a roller coaster. Love a, you know, anything fast, all that stuff. But yeah. it wasn't so much that. It was just gen- life in general, that mm. buzz that you get. I mean, even yeah. if you do, you know, even if you do live TV, you know, it's a buzz, right? You, yeah, definitely. It's that you Before you go on, your body naturally fills itself with adrenaline so yeah. that you can survive the experience. <laughs> and I, survive is a good word for it. <laughs> you know, and all those things, I just kept throwing myself into these situations where I would constantly be out of my comfort zone deliberately to get that buzz from the adrenaline. Mm, so do you think if something scares you, you would be quite likely to say yes if that's the only reason to say no, if that makes sense? I think um, certainly the old, younger me would definitely have said, um, you know, I'm, I'm just, I, was, I had this such a huge addiction to, to adrenaline mm. um, that then... I mean, I do still now, like, I can feel it in my system when I get the... I do still get such a buzz from it, but I've also now spent many years of my life weaning myself off it mm. and realised I'm a lot healthier for it in my head and also in my body, actually. Um, I'm a lot healthier for having a more balanced existence, basically, mm. than, I, than I used to. So I think pre-kids, you know, it was like... I was so addicted to adrenaline. It's like, yep, let's have loads of babies. Let's do it. We can do this. All great. And then, you know, actually you realise after a while that you, you know, if you've got too much adrenaline in your system, you don't, you never sort of stop to think, to reflect, to take time, to sort of feel the things around you. You yeah. spend too much, time, too much of your time in the future, not enough, not enough time in the present. You know, all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, it protects you, doesn't it? From, totally from protects you. From thinking about things as well. Um, and actually, it is it is much healthier to um, have a balance. Yeah. Much healthier. And to reflect. But I think, yeah, those things have to come at the right time in your life because, you know, a lot of the things that you... The seeds you sowed in your 
20s and 30s gave root to the things that allowed you that, totally. that canopy. You know? Totally. They all, it, it does all kind of tessellate, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I've got a really good friend, actually, um, and we feel like we're, we're almost like sort of soul sisters and we're, we've lived each other's life in reverse. So she, in her 20s, did everything I would dream of doing now. You know, she went and lived in India and, you know, spent her whole time in meditating. And, I mean, just this beautiful existence in her 20s, sort of travelling nomadically, mm. uh, freely. Um, and now in her 40s, she is running so fast, really trying to make business work. Mm. Whereas I did it the other way around. Yeah. I mean... I do not live in India and I do not meditate and I never meditate actually, I really ought to, but you know, I still live quite a hectic life, obviously with four kids, it's really, we have a really busy house and a busy mm. life, but um, it's really interesting because I think those decisions that you make in your 20s, I mean, I worked like, you know, 100 hour weeks in my 20s, I was so driven and it definitely has helped me now to feel, whoa, I need to really rebalance those almost two decades where I lived off adrenaline. Yeah. And it's also because I, you know, financially as well, I almost, I'm gaining from that time then. Yeah. You know, now, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, I guess it's balance. It's all about balance. And I guess as well, if you've had that kind of eye on the, I mean, you know, presumably your peers when you were in your, early mid-twenties and you're getting you know you're writing your flow and these ideas and picking up the phone and all that stuff they're probably going through what you know happens all the time now that's sort of protracted adolescence and going to uni and finding your feet and ups and downs and making mistakes and some people don't get to that point till much later where they no. feel like that driven but then because then you had your babies you almost get that little bit of time back when you're doing things that are just a bit more present in their world at the same yes. time sort of synonymously with you know yeah. um, simultaneously is what I meant yeah with, yeah with your kids do you think that was partly what I mean you say you sort of calmed down the adrenaline but you still did take four children like round the world for a few years <laughs> <laughs> I like the way that's taken the foot off the breath of the gas should have calmed things down and travel the world <laughs> do you know what that was actually I mean health wise um that's like the best thing I've ever done I mean it was no, I'm going to start by saying full stop. That is the best thing I've ever done in my life, yeah. ever. Totally magical. Amazing. I mean, so just to sort of paraphrase, you took, when the kids were aged between, did you say five and ten? Five and ten, yes. So we left in nearly five years ago now. Mm. Yeah, nearly five years. Five years ago this summer we left. Um, and this was a two-year planned trip? It was a right? one-year round-the-world ticket, day-to-day, I mean, but I how much did like... you you'd spent a couple of years planning what you're going to do? Or so um, we actually ended up staying away for three years. We only just came back last year. <laughs> it was brilliant. <laughs> it's so I cool. Know, it's so brilliant. I think it's it fantastic. Is, it's so brilliant. Um, <laughs> it's the dream. Yeah. It, I, I, to be honest, it was always my dream. So it was very much driven by the fact my dad, who's proper northern grafter, was like, "You're not going travelling now, Sarah. You need to get a job." And I was like, no, 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 no. I, if I go travelling, you know, I need to get it out of my system. I'm naturally, it's what I want to do. I'm naturally nomadic. No, you'll never come back. So I went straight and got a job straight from uni, but managed to uh, get a job which allowed me to travel. Mm-hmm. So I ran, ended up running the International Department of Pizza Express, loved it, did loads of travelling. Um, and 
found my route to travel through work. So when did you first leave the country? Were you like in your 20s when you first left the country? No, so we'd been on like Eurocamp and stuff when mm-hmm. I was 14, I think, or 15. Um, but I was desperate to travel. Anyway, you know what? This is back to my point, you can't find nature. <laughs> like, I just needed to travel. I really needed to travel. And I, every time, even in my 20s, when... Um, Pizza Express or whoever I was working for, was I was renegotiating my contract. I would always negotiate for days off. That was always my thing. <laughs> no, not bonuses. Not, I wanted days off. So it was always trying to get the maximum amount of time off that I could have so that I could actually go travelling and, and go away. I'd save every penny, spend every single spare penny that I had was on travelling. So when we decided to take the kids travelling, it was two years before... So it's 2014. So we, we knew we'd finished having kids. Marley, the youngest, was three and Minnie was seven at the time. And we sat down and talked about it and said, this is, you know, we, we, there's only, there is a, a window in children's lives where it is, I guess, most uh, easiest to do. So that you haven't got kids in the middle of A-levels or GCSEs. Mm-hmm. You haven't got teenagers that are really want to be with their mates. Yeah, their friends, yeah. Um, you haven't got a baby or a toddler that could drown and every time they see a bit of water. Um, so this five to ten was literally, we were like, if we don't go now, mm. we are not going to go because Marley had just old enough to ride a bike, to climb a mountain, and Minnie was young enough for the whole friendship thing not to be an issue. Mm -hmm. So we're like, right, we've got to go now. This was two years before. um, And it took us almost two years to make ourselves redundant from our life. And because we were so intertwined with so many different things because of this new life that we created where we said, right, we need to work around the fact that we're a mom and a dad. Because Michael does the same, exa- has exactly this very similar life to me. Mm. So we like, right, we, you know, we had little investments or businesses that we worked with or maybe sat on the board. We had lots of different aspects to our life. So it took us nearly two years to make ourselves redundant. Michael was really reluctant at first. He didn't want to go. And then I kept making little scrapbooks of, uh, like with pictures of the kids in amazing places, sticking them onto photos with a big (laughs) smile on their face and, like, made the kids write him letters saying how much they wanted to go to all these places. I mean, I was terrible, emotional blackmail, it's terrible. This went on, for honestly, for so long. All his Christmas presents were, like, travelling stuff, uh, little books and things. It was really fun. Anyway, just kept, like, putting little pictures in front of him and... Anyway, in the end, Open he came up. round. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> With maps, oh, yeah. little flags exactly. everywhere. Globe in each room, <laughs> scratchbook, um, yeah. picture of the world. Oh, it's br- anyway. Daddy, how would I look in a sombrero? I know. Mummy's told me to ask you. Always, <laughs> always wanted to do whatever. Anyway, it was very, very, it was brilliant. Finally came round. And then from nowhere, Dragon's Den. Mm. I mean, it was oh, right. so left time. field. And. Um, I, they made they called me I think it was in February or March they made contact we were supposed to be going away that summer oh wow to so travel. you all planned not planned planned because yeah. we didn't really plan all that much but it was like yeah we'll do it this August mm. so we'll we were going to give notice to school you know in April oh, yeah. so that the term and then we were going to go sometime during the summer nothing booked or anything but that was the plan anyway Dragon's Den came along and I was like oh 
you know, literally offer me anything in the world, the answer's no. However, <laughs> Dragon's Den, that would be so much fun. So fun. Get to meet Deborah Meader. <laughs> you know, this is so cool. You know, it's just like, how cool. <laughs> So anyway, I thought, right, well, I'll just go. I didn't think much of it. I went along, um, did actually meet Deborah to do the interview um, and thought, you know, they were, there was tens and tens of people that they were uh, screen testing. So I thought, oh, it'll just be a good crack. I'll get to meet Deborah for the day. Nothing, think nothing of it. And obviously, anyway, I then got offered it within sort of a week or two. Um, so, and I'd said to Michael, my experience in TV was you never do one series you have to go back for a second series because the first series, you're always like a rabbit in headlights. You don't really enjoy it. You're the new kid on the block. You're trying to find your feet. You don't know how it all works. Second series, you love it. Mm. Always hit the ground running. You enjoy it. You know everybody. You feel comfortable. You're yeah. at your best. It works. So I said to Michael, you know, unless they kick me out, basically, I need to commit to two series of this. Yeah. Which meant then postponing the trip mm. for one more year, which we were very comfortable doing, but we couldn't postpone it for longer than that because of the ages of the kids. Yeah. So that's what we did. Um, and yeah, so I did the two series of Dragon's Den, finished filming it in the June. We left in the August. Um, Where was the first place you travelled to? Canada was the first. Why, um, why Canada? Just because you've either got to go right or left. And, <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Um, and we went with the seasons. Okay. So it was, it was, auto, it was August. Mm. So if we'd have gone right and sort of headed Asia way... If we'd have gone that way, we needed... We could have done the whole thing in reverse. Mm. Um, but actually, this, the way that it worked with the seasons, because we wanted to spend Christmas in Patagonia. Mm. And there's a lot of Patagonia. In fact, most of Patagonia you can't get to in their winter, which is our summer. Mm. So it needed to be... that. It need, basically, there are, there are some places that we managed to get to you cannot go to apart from in December. Right. And we really wanted to spend quite a lot of time down there, Chile and Argentina. And we Incredible. really wanted to see... King, Peng Pink, King Penguins, that was a real thing. And that's like right on the tip at the bottom. And did that happen? It did happen. Wow. And it was amazing. They're like three and a half foot or something. I was, they? No, they're the emperor ones. Oh, you have okay. to go to Antarctica Sorry. to see Wrong them. And you have to go to Antarctica <laughs> to see them. But the King ones are still that. like, they're still like a metre, but they're the, they're the proper penguin. Proper oh, penguins. Proper I know penguin. the, bless them, they're all proper, but you know what I mean? They're like kids' yeah, sketchbook no penguins. penguins. Here. We're not, yeah, we're not offending right. any penguins. <laughs> But they're like the baby emperor. Aww. We really wanted to see them. So it, we were quite driven by that. So yeah, Canada, all the way down the west coast of America, all the way down till we got sort of Mexico, um, Chile, Argentina, Patagonia. And then our favourite place in the world still is, uh, is Byron Bay in Australia. Mm. Love it. And we... Just because the lifestyle is so easy. Just, yeah, it's very chilled. Everyone's got time. Mm. Um, it's kind. It's um, it's very cool. Yeah. Really in touch with nature. Great with ki great for kids. So we try and go for a month a year, and we have done for a long time. Oh, wow. Try to go for a month a year. It's where we kind of our soul convalesces almost in Byron Bay. We love it. 
Um, and we'd been traveling there for quite a long time anyway as a family. And we decided that we would, because the kids didn't have any, any education while we were traveling, we thought we'd stop there and live for three, four months and then the kids could do a term there and we could just poodle about. Um, everybody in Byron Bay has got this thing on the back of their car that says, my life is better than your holiday. And we kind of <laughs> wanted to see if that was true. So we'd like, Sounds right, like exactly. So let's live there for a bit and see what that's like. So that was great. Loved that. And then came back up um, Asia. And then when we were in Australia, just about to leave Byron Bay, I just said to Michael, I don't want to go back. So that was supposed to be your last we, this was April, but we still had May, June, July, and then beginning of August to do okay. in, in Asia, Southeast, Southeast Asia. We went to sort of Borneo, Malaysia, um, Philippines, which was amazing. Wow. Amazing. Thailand, Singapore, you know, all the usual, like Southeast Asia, basically. Did you have quite a good sense of geography already, just out of curiosity? Um, a little bit. I mean, Did it ish. The, the, I tell you what's interesting <laughs> is we are so disorganised. I mean, we're bad 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 planners and to what extent like oh like as in we would often well let's just see how the day goes or you know let's just mm. see how the week goes so we would book stuff you know a day in advance we'd sit in a hotel in um yeah we sat in where were we? we sat in a hotel in brisbane going the weather looks rubbish for the rest of the week Let's we were go going somewhere. to go north we we're going yeah. to go up to sort of um port douglas and all up there weather looked terrible and they got dengue fever and i just got pregnant with nelly oh no this is actually a different holiday what we're talking I was gonna about. say it's a completely <laughs> different holiday yeah it's a completely different holiday same place a completely different holiday no i wasn't pregnant with nelly because actually we were we were already with nelly but that that was ex exactly the same thing happened here you'd sit there and go the weather looks terrible and then book a flight to you you'd then move your flight which was supposed to be as long as you kept going in the same way around the world, yeah. the round the world ticket is completely flexible. But you have to keep moving left to right. If mm. you go left to right, you can't go back. Yeah. You have to keep going in the same direction. So we just kept, and then we went across to Perth and spent some time there. And, you know, you just, we just kept moving it to try and be... Um, Were you both keeping a sort of equal share of like logistics in terms of like phoning to change flights and stuff? Because that's quite... Do you know what? We had nothing... I mean, what else? Like, there was no... If you think about it, right, that you, you're not doing anything else. It was so easy to just... Wow. You, right now, that seems massive, right? Because we've got lives and we yeah. do stuff and... Yeah, it's true, but when you're there... But just... all we had was 23 kilos of luggage. That was all we had. So what did you do with all the rest of your stuff? Like, your storage, stuff? Storage. Storage. Everything went into storage. We rented out our house. Was um, it quite weird when you saw everything again when you'd come back? Well, we then didn't come back. So um, <laughs> we then, which was re all ended up being quite bizarre, but we ended up saying, right, I don't want to go back. Why don't we go and do a ski season? I've, none of us could ski ever. Never, none of us had ever learned to ski. Michael had done a bit, but... So we sat in the room of this Airbnb Googling ski in, ski out schools Europe because we thought the kids should probably go to school. Mm. Um, found this little place in Switzerland, then found, rented a, um, a place for a year there, got the kids into the school. We'd never been, but ended up staying there for two years, which was amazing. Yeah. But the great thing with that is life continued. We felt that if we'd have gone, if we'd have stayed in Australia, which is probably our natural habitat, um, parents didn't want to come and visit us. 
we were too far away. And also, um, we still did have a lot of business commitments and we said we were going away for a year. So the first year, you actually said, right, we're not doing any business stuff, it's literally just going to be us Pretty much. Kids. I think I flew back three times, maybe four. Okay. Um, so I did come back to do any th- some important things. and um, But actually, even then, we did a lot of it. Um, not yeah, It wasn't remotely. Zoom, but I don't even know what we used, like FaceTime or yeah. whatever. You know, even then you could do it remotely. I mean, nowadays you could you could do it yeah. so much easier. I mean, God, you could live anywhere now. It's I know, fantastic. It's easier and easier, hasn't it? Um, and then I would just fly back from Geneva every so often, which which actually was really really great. But during that period, we decided that we were not going to return to Oxfordshire, which was where we had lived before. We felt like three years doing what we'd done. The kids, it was. It, it, Oxfordshire's really, really lovely. It's very sort of middle England. Mm. Um, and we just felt culturally it wasn't the right fit for us anymore. It was beautiful while we were bringing the kids up, but we felt we needed a bit more um, edge, I think yeah. it's probably the word, just a bit more edge. So then we just started looking around thinking, right, we'll come back to the UK. Michael really wanted to come back. The kids wanted to come back. Minnie wanted to come back, actually, our oldest. Um, and we just started looking at schools and thought, what about Brighton? And here we are. And here you are. Yeah, 18 months ago, we came back. Well, I think, I personally have always thought the idea of travel like that with the kids sounds incredible. And did you find that most people were really supportive? As, mm. I mean, when we went, it was a very mixed bag. Even family were like, you know, what are you doing? Um, what do you think they were worried about? Just because it's such a big deal to leave you know, your life for a year? Or? It's so interesting. It, it, I think it really says such a lot about fundamentally often how different people are. It's always about the other person. It's, yeah, and it's I, I, I just think, you know, back to that sort of thing we said earlier about some people need structure, they need routine, they need to know what's coming. The idea of going travelling around the world whilst might seem like a really romantic, lovely idea. Mm. Actually, when a lot of people really thought about it, you know, that gave them proper anxiety, thinking, oh, my God, you're doing what? For a people year, were saying, do you really understand what you're saying? So many people would say to us, you know, I don't think this is right for the children. They need routine. They need structure. They need an education. It is an education, um, though, isn't it? Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you're definitely preaching to the converted with me, but... Um, a lot of people really struggled with the concept, which, you know, I certainly would never dream of judging them for because I'm like, well, each to their own, you know. Um, Were there any moments, though, when you're going around, you know, when everybody's jet-lagged or something has gone a bit wonky and you think, oh, actually, this has... The idea I had of it and where it matches up is not the same or is it actually just... You're just in the here and now and not really... Um... I mean, loads of it went wrong, of course, because it, it all, everything does its life, right? But what was kind of brilliant about it was not having anything else to worry about. That mm. was what made it so amazing. So, you know, when we did turn up in Perth um, because we had randomly booked a flight and done absolutely no research whatsoever and got off the plane and thought, well, how hard can it be to find, you know, an Airbnb or something when mm. we get there? We'll just get on oh, the internet. We literally, literally have done nothing. 
um, only to find out that it was some huge conferences oh. in the whole of, you know, it seemed like in the whole of the west coast of Australia. Um, we were stuck in that airport. I mean, it must have been about eight hours. Oh, no. With, with the kids, oh. can you imagine? No car hire. There was no, not a single car to be hired. Oh. There was no, um, nowhere to rent. In the end, we had to wait until a car was returned the following morning to be able to get into a car. <laughs> we had to drive three hours to the most awful place <laughs> to sleep. Mm. You know, but, and that happened, you know, that was just because we were readers, that we just had, didn't plan it well enough. Um, but the nice thing with not planning it right was, you know, suddenly we were in, in Australia, we were there for long enough, and then suddenly you'd be like, I need to smell new smells, I need to hear new languages, you know, and you, and you could go, right, it's time to go to Southeast Asia. Mm. And you would just go. And the other thing that I loved... God, it was liberating. I mean, talk about freedom, was we only had 23 kilos of luggage each mm. and that was your lot. So you would turn up somewhere and think, oh, that's nice, I'll have that. Like, no, you won't. Where's it going to go? You've got one suitcase. So you never replaced your trainers mm. until they actually broke or your flip-flops, you know, until they ripped. Mm. Um you know, you had two bikinis or one bikini for the whole trip and that was your lot. That was it. That was it. Yeah. And it was, it was brilliant. The only time it went a bit wrong uh, in terms of kit, we could have done with a bit more kit. Patagonia, we could have done with a bit more kit, actually. But when we went to Borneo, I mean, I've got this photograph. I, if, I could, if I had it to hand, I would show it to you just to make you laugh. Honestly, so we turned up in the middle of, uh, the, like, the jungle to see the orangutans. This had been a big dream, right? We, all six of us, in that, you know those trousers that cost a dollar mm. from, like, barley? Yeah. <laughs> that are sort of those... The cotton, the cotton ones with yeah. the elasticated waist. <laughs> all six of us are in these trousers <laughs> with, um, you know, similar sort of kaftani-type tops that have cost us, like, $3 or whatever in Indonesia. Um, everybody around us looks like they've come out of some Indiana Jones movie. They are in full uh, jungle kit, hats, leech uh, protectors, <laughs> gloves, neck protectors, again, for the leeches. And uh, it was... We were like this family that got off the plane going, okay, we did not get the memo <laughs> at all. The kids were like, mama, look at us. Anyway, we then went trekking through the jungle with our like trainers on, totally inappropriate. <laughs> Barley trousers on, totally inappropriate. All of us came back. We're covered in leeches. Aww. I mean, it was not pretty. I haven't heard good things about them. It was <laughs> not pretty at all. And that was just, you know, in an ideal world, you would go on holiday for 10, 14 days mm. and you'd be fully kitted up, right? Mm. Because you'd plan for it. But we, that was, there were some times when it just didn't work because we only had 23 kilos of luggage and you couldn't buy the kit. And yeah. we, you know, if, if we'd have bought hiking boots for those 10 days to go just through to the jungle, the the we would have had to carry them the rest of the time. So we didn't. Um, but yeah, so there were times it really backfired, but 
Best year of my life. Yeah. Definitely the best year of my life. That sounds amazing. And I, I, I think I read that you said that your intention was to sort of try and like have these moments that you could almost bottle. I mean, does that, it sounds like it's worked, like you have got it sort of in your head as yeah, so a precious thing. I have this thing that you have to regularly do something that punctuates life so that in your memory you have the ability to remember that moment properly. So if you spend 10 years doing exactly the same thing, uh, when you look back, it'll all be a blur. Mm. Whereas if you've punctuated your life with something, you will remember on that day what your kids were like age three, age seven, age five, because something happened on that day. It could be you went travelling or you you went on a particular trip or something happened Mm. where you have been able to do something where in your memory... Yeah, just anchored it a bit. Yeah, you've, you've punctuated it and anchored it. And I read somewhere that if, if you can... Rem- when you relive something in your head, um, the emotion that it will... From a memory, the emotion that comes back to you is up to 95% of the actual event when you, you really live it. Okay. And I really believe in trying to go back always to do to for these experiences in the, and, and to try and be able to remember something. Mm. And travel has always been a big thing for us. So even since the kids were very, very young, I can remember what they were like at particular ages, not because of my normal life, actually, but because of something that I did. It might have been part of my normal life. And, but when I travelled... I wanted to, I absolutely wanted to bottle a moment in time of our family that I will never forget them at that age. Yeah. It's easy to forget, isn't it? They're at, them at particular ages, very easy. I mean, now, of course, we have the benefit of video, but um, which is great. Yeah, but it's a different thing as well when you're actually yeah. remembering it rather than just looking back at something anyway, isn't it? And I definitely think we did that that year. And also then in Switzerland, you know, that was an amazing experience for the kids. Mm. You know, they went to this tiny little slipper-wearing chalet school, first name terms with the teachers and basically skied five half days a week, you know, mm. just learnt a skill. Um, and they've definitely had to play catch-up when they've come back to the UK on their English and some maths, but definitely their English. Um, but God, I wouldn't swap it for the... I mean, I wouldn't swap any of it, not a moment of it. And you, and, and you saw your like, family members went to, once you sort of settled in Switzerland, did you? They would come and visit sometimes. Yeah, they came to visit. My dad also... My mum and my dad, actually, they're separated, but both my mum and my dad um, came out to us in Byron. Okay, God, they went a long way. Yeah, during the trip, which was really nice. But they made it quite clear. Certainly my mum was like, this is the last long haul trip I'm ever doing. <laughs> Do not move out here. It's like, yeah, fair enough. Well, since you mentioned, your, I mean, it sounds like some of your childhood in Stoke might have been a bit different to the childhood your parents, your, your children are having. But how, how similar are you to your parents? Do you think you've a similar sort of um, style? I mean, it doesn't sound like your dad's no. approach to travel is the same as yours, maybe. No, I'm really different, actually, from um, certainly my, my view of, traditional view of risk and stuff like that, I think, is very different. My, my dad is really intellectual, which I'm not at all. Um, my brother's very intellectual, but I'm not. Um, and my dad's very routine. 
very structured. I'm really close to my I'm dad. He's if, amazing. Yeah, a lot of this is quite a big rebellion. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what. Yeah, maybe <laughs> the sort of monotony. I don't know. Um, yeah, but I'm very close to my dad. I adore him. He's amazing. Uh, he's also an amazing granddad. He lives in France. And my mum, I think had my mum been born at a different time, she's, you know, she's a po- just post-war baby. Um, very, very working class families, both of them. You know, they grew up with sort of three generations in a, in a tiny little terraced house. Um, I mean, my mum's just sold the house that she grew up in for 50 grand, which shows, you know, it's... Yeah. Um, and this is all in Stoke, This is, is all in Stoke. And, but I think, I think she, she's much more, she is more sort of streetwise, but I guess she's probably more afraid of doing something different than I am. But, but it's the era that they grew up oh, in that, you know, so. they, they were real grafters. It was like, get a job, stay there, get a pension. Um, and that's, I just didn't want to do that ever and never wanted to do it. Mm. But what my mum always did do, um, she always made me feel that no matter what it was that I was trying to do, I was, I was very capable. And she never tried to... She never solved the problem for me. She always showed me how to solve the problem. And I think that was huge in my upbringing in that mm. she helped my brain to to become a brain that solves problems yeah um that's a big deal actually that's huge a big shift. she gave me um an enormous amount of inner inner confidence i think to be mm. able to do that i mean you know i've had my you know years of insecurities and imposter syndrome like everybody else has i'm sure but um she definitely gave me this tool to say, just give it a go. Mm. What's the worst that can happen? And my whole life I phoned her and gone, you're not going to believe this, but this, they're gonna, this is when they're going to find me out. She's like, you've always said that, I was Sarah. They won't find you out, you're fine, keep going. Like, no, 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 honestly, this time it's really big. Like, they're definitely going to find me out this time. No, you said that when you did this and you'd be mm-hmm. fine. Um, so, yeah, no, my parents are great. My brother's great, actually. Really good. Yeah, I suppose it's quite... It must be quite a thing if you know that you're raising your kids in a very different childhood to the one you have. And I know you've spoken a lot about how it's really important for children to have a really good sense of the importance of money. And I think, actually, it's a lot... It's a thing that I think a lot of people are quite squeamish about knowing how to deal with their kids mm. with that. Um, and I'd love to hear any tips you have for me because I think I make a lot of really sort of quite obvious mistakes. Do you know what I think we I think we all do? I mean, only t- only history is going to tell us whether mm. we get it right, right? That's it's, the that's on the so thing. many counts. <laughs> on so many counts. <laughs> I feel like that, that sums up my attitude can, to yeah, parenting. To I know. Come and back me. to you in the grown up. Yeah, we'll exactly. See how I did. <laughs> exactly what I say all the time. I have no idea. What I know is that I am doing the best job I can. Um, what I don't know is if I'm getting it right. And mm. I have absolutely no idea whether or not I'm getting it right. I think with money, um, what we've always done from a very young age, I'm completely paranoid about my kids not growing up with the value of money because, you know, I worked from the age of 11, always had a pound in my pocket, always worked really hard. Mm. Um, and, you know didn't have anything really growing up and my kids you know they live in a beautiful house 
they have amazing holidays, they've travelled around the world, um, they go to a private school, you know, so they, it's completely different for them. Now, I'm, the, obviously I'm like a lot of our generation's parents that want their kids to be happy. You know, we, I think we're a lot more focused on mental health and making sure that they're happy yeah, and be fulfilled than our parents were. You know, I never had a conversation about my mental health with my parents. They were like, just crack on. Um, but I do, what I, what I think we've tried to do as much as possible, and again, I've no idea whether or not we get it right or not, is um, <coughs> we've tried to keep it very real all the time so we're very open with them about what things cost the value of money the alternative you know so if you spend this here this is what you could get here how to get it cheaper um i mean even you know if you i don't believe in giving kids pocket money so they've had to earn mm. you know where they can um where they've been able to and actually lo- during lockdown they have the older two have um, managed to find little ways of earning money online and stuff. You know, just Minnie does quite a lot with selling and buying on Depop. Um, yeah, that's quite a big thing now, it isn't is, it? isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And Monty, but it's great because they understand about shipping and percentages, uh, yeah. commission and all that kind of stuff. And then they put the price up and then they realise after they paid the commission to Depop, they're like, hang on, I'm only getting £1.50 mm. and I've got to go and walk to the post office to get it sent off. You know, and then you think, well, if you did 10 of those at the same time, is that worth it? You know, but yeah, but I can't do the 10. So, okay, well, then you need to work out, you need a better, you know, you need mm. to sell something with a, be- a higher value. And then, so we just try very, very, very hard to keep it real. Even our business, we started a new business this year, which I said I would never do. But anyway, I have. Um, we started a new business this year and floated it on the stock market in January. And even this is, um, nightcap, nightcap right? yeah. So it's it's lots of uh, we're buying and growing and rolling out lots of bars, basically cocktail bars. Sounds and good stuff. to it's me. Great, yeah, exactly. It's great. It's Just great. Send me a list. Lots of fun. <laughs> um, and that that even doing that, we have because it's been locked down and mm. you know we've all been together. Even that, we have talked certainly the older two who are really interested through the structuring how we've done it, where it came from, how you buy the business. You know, so that the numbers, which always seem so big, especially when you, you know, float something on the stock market, you start, you start to talk about millions. Um, so that it comes back to, you know, we came up with the idea walking in Switzerland, um, which is, I always come up with the best ideas, actually, when I'm, having, when I'm on holiday. But... So when we were having that sort of moment of relaxation of our brain, we came up with the idea. Mm. And then to go through the process with the kids. So I think that's the thing, is we always try and keep it real. Yeah. So, and then I wonder whether or not, some, sometimes I think, God, have we kept it too real? When you're like, no, no, we can't have that. It's so expensive. And it's like, it's not that expensive. You know, and you think, well, actually, I'd rather have them that way round. Sometimes I think I've gone too extreme the other no, way. No, I think it's pretty good because I think there's a lot, especially when you're talking about things like in business terms, I think so much of it is kept very intimidating and it almost feels like it's, uh, you know, if I take it to a slight sort of, you know, extreme version of it, I think it stops people having as much um, say in what's going on in their lives, you know. It, it, I wish they'd taught me at school about 
rent and mortgages oh, and so, how to break down what, how businesses work because I felt it's almost like not giving people the freedom to be able to actually go and make those decisions and to have a bit more autonomy over it. And, you know, especially, you know, when you're a young girl, I think you can feel really, you can act very daft around money and be quite Completely. intimidated by the conversations. Um, and I think I really wish I could, I'd love to be able to give them a little bit more confidence with that. And actually it made me think a bit when you were saying about you know, going away and some people saying, acting negatively towards the idea of you taking the kids around the world. I think, so as well, it's, it's quite... It can threaten something in yourself when someone does something you've always a bit been too scared to do. You know, a lot of yeah. people are governed by that kind of feeling. And money is a big thing. And a lot of our emotional response with money, and I think a lot of it is emotional, is that but it's sort of done by the time you're about 10. How you saw your mum yeah, be, how you saw your dad be, you know, yeah. how you felt about your pocket money. And yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think sort of like love, money and food, those three areas of your life, I think a lot of it is emotionally hardwired by the yeah. time you get double figures. Yeah. And you can obviously build on that. But yeah, and, and I think that's I, I, you know, I don't believe in um, keeping stuff from kids in the sense you think, oh, that that's too complicated, or that might hurt them, or whatever. I, I actually, we always talk. My husband's from the Faroe Islands, and they always talk about this little Faroese backpack. So it's like they've all got these little this little Faroese backpack on their back, and what we're trying to do with their whole life is just put little tools in it that they mm. can then use as they get older. So even if something really tragic happens within a family, you can work through it with them to get because the reality is is those things will happen in life. Yeah, you know, and it's the same with money. You know, we like my parents would never tell me what they earned. Well, I was wondering, do you, do you take it that far? Then you could talk to them about what you earn. I would tell them... Talk about mortgages. Uh, tell them mortgages, tell them, um, yeah, everything. That's we, quite good. We, I'm like, I'm going to go home and sit more down. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, I think the thing is, what I, you know, and, and where I'm conscious is, like, quite, obviously, our numbers are just bigger than, you know, average numbers, if you know what I mean. Mm. And it's really important that they understand that in the context of average so they understand you know this is where we started this was what this was my starting salary um this is a normal wage you know this mm. is what people get paid in the bars this is what we would get paid this is what you know so they start to okay and then they look at well what does rent cost in london and then they start mini starts looking at like a how much would it cost her to rent a flat and she's like well well, I can't, I can't afford... I will never be able to afford to rent anything mm. in London. How am I going to be able to do that? But yes, you're right. End of meeting. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're exactly. You're like, exactly, you know, exactly. Mm. And on your starting salary, yeah. you're never going to I be know. able to do that. You know, and, and that's... So I just... I feel like I've always got to put these tools in this Faroese mm. backpack somehow. And I think we will have probably got it wrong a lot where we've given them probably given them too much too soon i don't i just don't oh, know who knows you just don't know do you and 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 i but it's definitely i mean i bought my eldest a book on how babies are made when he was like three it was just a really well, stupid yeah. idea but i thought, no, but I thought it's it great. great i don't want him to have any awkwardness exactly. it's gonna be great yeah and he's like you we were walking through the park he's like is there a baby in your tummy now and i was like no and he goes you sure it might be some of daddy's sperm in there <laughs> I definitely introduced yeah, exactly. that book too small. It's just a stupid idea. But then you never have to have the awkward conversation with the teenagers, you see, because it's like, you've done no, it. No, no, I've definitely done yeah. that. Definitely. Yeah, I'm not squeamish about that. Just maybe a bit, yeah, just sort of fast-forwarded through things a little bit sometimes. But actually, I think, I think the money thing is an interesting one because I think it's quite loaded. And I wondered if maybe the fact 
that you came from an area like Stoke, and I've been to Stoke lots of times, and I know that, you know, that the country is... We're not, it's not a balanced country, the UK. No. There are very affluent areas, and there is that aren't so affluent, and Stoke is one of those yeah, areas. Yeah, exactly. Know, and you've got to... That gives you a certain perspective for the rest of your life, I'm sure. It also gives you... Uh, you know, I was very driven to get out, actually. I mean, mm. I love Stoke. You know, it's, it's, I'm very much... It'll always be a home to me, always. Mm. And a lot of my really good mates are still there, and my mum's still there. Um, I still get my Staffordshire oatcakes delivered every week from there. Do you? Yeah, I do. That's so <laughs> every cool. single week. Yeah. That's brilliant. <laughs> um, you know, and I love it, but... I definitely was driven to get out. You know, yeah. there was definitely a part of me that was like, no, I want to go and see, go where there's more opportunity. Mm. And, you know, my kids haven't been brought up into that. I had a conversation with my dad about this a few years ago, I remember going, how on earth am I ever going to keep my kids grounded? Like, how do you do that when you send them to a private school, you know, and they wear this ridiculous posh uniform when they're five years old and I'm like, it just so doesn't go it goes against everything for mm. me but we, I've still done it right I've still sent them to these yeah, schools because, but I think that's okay because as a parent you're always wanting to do the best for them exactly and, and if you can offer them a really brilliant education that's like a really know. you know that's a very natural and my dad's instinct like, to follow isn't it yeah my dad's like you know it's not their fault that's okay. It's not their fault. Don't don't punish them or be annoyed with them for not understanding what you understand. They were not born into the same house, and they, you know, like my mum and dad came from much more much tougher background than I came from. They then actually, you know, my mum was a maths teacher and my dad worked in uh, Wedgwood, and so they actually had a proper job with proper salaries. So you know, again, we made that big step up. Um, and then I've made a big, you know, another step up. But I think they probably made the biggest step, actually. Um, my mum and dad did. But it's not their fault. So it's just trying. Mm. You know, it's got, I could talk about it forever because I just, you just don't, don't know. know. You just no. don't know. I think actually in anyone that's feeling quite fulfilled and satisfied and loves what they do, they're always worried that whatever kernel gave them that drive, if you take, if you, if you remove it through circumstance, through achieving yeah. things in your life... How are you going to instill that same fire in your kids? I think it's like an eternal. I know, but you. I actually really think it's nature that I think, yeah. like having had four kids. Do you not have this with your five? They must all be very driven. Yes. I mean, sorry, very differently driven. Like yeah. they're different, right? Yeah, all of them. Totally different. different. Yeah. And that that's. I know. Obviously, there's a difference between number one and number four, maybe, or number one and number five in your case. Mm. But fundamentally, they're still being brought up with the same values exactly but they are so different right yeah yeah so different yeah it's part of the addiction for me was it's the same as me i know yeah exactly who's coming now yeah exactly who are you and (laughs) yeah you know and i think um so i just think that drive you know two out of four of mine are really driven Mm. and two are not Mm. and that's definitely not nurture Mm. That is definitely, absolutely, since the day they were born, yeah. nature. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> You know, and I think yeah. it's just, you know, then I think nurture can fuel that or yeah, dilute it, yeah. whichever way. Um, but fundamentally, fundamental, you yeah. are absolutely born the way you're born, I think. No, I agree with that too. Um, and I think it's very fitting that you keep talking about nature and not being able to fight it while all the time we've been sitting here <laughs> next to this incredible view of the sea just doing its thing you've got like this huge 
living metaphor outside your I know, window. I know. <laughs> and even you've tried to tell the sea to be quiet sometimes. It doesn't work, does <laughs> no, it? No, it doesn't. There's definitely a hell of a lot of energy. crash of the waves. You can't make us quiet. I know. You can't fight nature, Sarah. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> no, today I would like you to be really peaceful because that's what I would like when yeah. I get up this morning. No, no you're still going to crash <laughs> against the stones. <laughs> that's it. It's metaphor. No, it's true. <laughs> So that was Sarah. How inspired are you to now go travelling? In fact, I was so inspired that I found I would find it tricky to go travelling, but I've got a friend who's um she's just got one little boy and he hasn't started school yet. And I found myself telling her, Go travelling. Just take three months off and go travelling. I think I just want to do it vicariously through my friend. If anyone's interested, I doubt any of you are. If anyone's interested, the doorbell just before I introduced Sarah was my second one down kit. So that's two of them home now. And any minute now, the doorbell will ring again and it'll be the other three. I've opted out of school run today. It's quite nice, if I'm honest, especially because my little one's not sleeping very well. So I kind of get them all ready in the morning, get up about 6.45, get them all ready. And then I always think to myself, as soon as they're out the door, I'm going to go and get back into bed and watch telly. But it never happens, of course. But the the idea is there. Every morning, I tell you. Anyway, um, do you want to know something quite exciting? got no idea who the podcast is going to be next week that is because next week obviously i'm recording this speaking to you now it's now what day is it now oh rizzo what day is it now she's still avoiding eye contact it's now thursday so you're hearing this at the earliest on monday and i'm recording either three or four podcasts next week yeah last series i did this to myself as well it's slightly stressful but luckily i've got some amazing guests lined up for next week so I will get them all recorded and then introduce them to you as I go. Hey, it's nice to have a little bit of seat of your pants action. And uh, luckily for me, I'm not short of guests. Just sometimes get pinning down people for timing and making that all work can take a little bit of choreography. But hey, we got there in the end. Here there is. Do you want to say hello? She's not really... Pu- can you hear her purring? She doesn't really purr. I think she's still looking a bit sheepish. Don't poo on my bed. We're sat on our bed, my bed now. Actually, I'm probably giving her ideas. Anyway, don't you think it's wonderful to listen to a podcast that begins and ends with such <laughs> such scintillating content? Um, I'm going to stop talking now because I feel, I feel I've rinsed any interesting topics I had to cover. And Sarah did a much better job than me of talking about things that are actually worth listening to. See? Doorbell. Told you. Listen to how long they do that. How annoying is that? I can even count the seconds while they're doing it. God, that's irritating. I'll see you next week. I've got some lovely guests lined up. Have a good week. Bye. Oh my God, they're still ringing it. What? What ding back to my raising? Bye.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 